everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Daniel Menden, who is a best-selling author with 20-plus years of experience in training and development. He actually spent five years as the director of dealer training at Harley-Davidson, and he is currently the managing director of Mensch Performance. Thanks so much for joining us today, Daniel. Hey, you're welcome, Matt. It's a privilege and an honor to be here with you. Well, I want to start with your time at Harley-Davidson. And during that period, you were responsible for delivering training to over 1,400 Harley-Davidson dealerships worldwide. So that is a massive challenge. I'm a little bit curious. How did you identify what needed to be done and the steps needed to accomplish those goals when you got started with that Herculean task? Okay, uh, so it, it, uh, Herculean, that's a good description of it. Didn't feel like it at the time, but looking back at it now, it was really a pretty, pretty big challenge. Uh, we were going through, the whole business was going through a major change at that point. We restructured our uh, sales organization into four regional groups. And, uh, you know, North America, South America, Europe, and uh, Asia Pacific, four different groups. And our uh, HDU, Harley-Davidson University group, was not set up to support that. And uh, we had a big group of people in the United States really serving just the U.S. market and helping people in other locations, but we weren't organized to do that. So that was one task that we took on was to reorganize Harley-Davidson University dealer training to line up and align with those four sales regions. Once we got our arms wrapped around that a little bit better, we were able to better understand what are the needs within the regions. Now we we knew that we had motorcycle, new motorcycle product coming, and we, you know, we had visibility to the uh, product development uh, pipeline for a couple of years back. So we knew some of those things were coming. So we absolutely knew that any new, uh, significant new product launches that needed to have uh, training supporting it. But there was a lot of other things that were happening in our dealer uh, network, and the dealers are independent businesses; they're not an actual part of the motor uh, company itself, and so that. Uh, also was a little bit of a challenge for us. So uh, having uh, realigned the Harley-Davidson University to, to have dedicated training resources in each of those four regions made that challenge of understanding what those different regions need. They all needed new motorcycle product training, right? But we needed it in certain languages. We needed it at different times in different locations, different regions. And then the regions had some of their own uh, particular challenges that they had with uh, bringing new dealerships online or um, going into new markets with a, a different culture and language that we hadn't uh, dealt with before. And so those were some of the dynamics that were going on. I, I think uh, the biggest thing that we did was that effort to put to stand up dedicated training teams in each of those regions that serve those regions, but also uh, connected back to the, the central Harley-Davidson dealer training group as well too. So we could coordinate those uh, new product launches, but then also support their individual needs from when they needed uh, to develop or need, when they needed to uh, launch training and, and specific things to uh, support the dealers in their regions. So I hope that kind of answers the question. It, uh, I, I think one of the things that you hit on that, that's fascinating is the independent nature. You've got all of these independent dealers, but what's really important for you running this operation is to get some level 
uh, of buy-in. Um, do you remember something that really helped you convey the buy-in from all of them that this was something worth pursuing and we should all be in this together? How did you kind of get the collective working in one direction given that you had all of these independent groups um, that, that were obviously excited to work together but maybe needed a little bit push along the way? Are you talking about the four sales regions, the teams that we set up or the dealers themselves are you you're referring to? The dealers themselves, you, you had a huge group from all different types of backgrounds that maybe had different individual needs. How did you get that collective buy-in? So there were a couple of things that really helped with that. So, um, and it's really um, a testament to the people that were in the region. So they are the ones that worked more directly with the dealers than myself or the team that I had at HDU Central. So that was the benefit of having those regional teams. So they worked with the sales uh, organization within their regions and they had a lot of uh, contact, you know, uh, you know, phone calls, visits and interaction with the dealers within their regions. And that, that's where the information started. And then it flowed uh, into HDU Central. And then we, what we also did was we did uh, global curriculum planning for the first time. And so that was, again, we knew that the, what was in the pipeline, but we didn't know what the challenges were within the regions. And so it was kind of that combination of, hey, we know what product's coming, but what, you know, let us know what the challenges are within your regions as those people are connecting with uh, the dealerships in their region and, and the sales teams within their region and having that information flowing up uh, from that as well too. And then we did global curriculum planning to say, okay, in addition to the product that's in the pipeline that we know that's coming. What are the other things that are happening out there? And, and is it uh, happening in more than one region or more than one area that we need to really put some effort into um, a, you know, new curriculum development? The other thing is we did have the opportunity of, uh, there was an annual, what we used to call uh, dealer operations training that was uh, just before our winter dealer meeting. And that was a time for us to meet where the, probably you know, 85 to 90% of the dealers from around the world would have some representatives come to that annual dealer meeting and that uh, dealer operations training as well too. So that was a great opportunity for us to connect with those folks, share what's coming. Uh, you know, it's an exciting and fun product. So it's usually, and those people are very dedicated to the, to the, um, you know, the product itself and the brand. And so you know, the challenge of getting them excited about what's coming next and uh, building their business, uh, that wasn't much of a challenge. It was the challenge of meeting their high expectations and their, their pull on uh, you know, more and better uh, content for them to help run their businesses better. I, re I really like that, it, the sense of it's a fun product to sell. It's a kind of bombastic, exciting, something that gets people, when people walk into a showroom, I'm guessing, or walk into a dealership, there's a level of excitement. Is there, is there something that you wish you could have told your prior self before starting on this? Like, did you spend extra time on something that had you known something in advance, you wouldn't have spent your time there? What would you tell your prior self before taking on that task that might have made it easier? Uh, well, I think uh, what I would have told myself is I should have hung out in dealerships more before I, I took uh, on this role uh, because I, I'm a rider as well. You know, I started riding I, got, I didn't get my road motorcycles growing up, but they're always my brother's motorcycles. I never owned my own until I started working at Harley and I got my license and started riding. And uh, I, I spent the most of my first part of my career in the manufacturing realm and didn't have much exposure to the dealership network. So that would have been very helpful for me to have been more of, um, you know, just a, 
uh, you know, go on a ride, stop and, you know, stop at dealerships periodically and, and uh, visit those and then hang out a little bit more at kind of my home dealership just to understand that business a little bit better before I started uh, as the director of dealer training. Uh, they are independent businesses. Many of them are uh, family owned. More and more these days they're more corporate kind of owned uh, kind of a scenario where there might be a ownership group that owns, uh, you know, three or four dealerships. But back then uh, around, uh, around 2000, uh, eight, nine, when I took on the, the job, there were still quite a few just family owned businesses and they're, they're really uh, very unique small businesses that are really important within their community. So kind of understanding that background and, and the world and, and the environment that the business, the dealerships uh, work in would have been helpful for me. I really appreciate the whole kind of walk in somebody's shoes or actually experience it for yourself. You you had some institutional knowledge um, with the time you had spent at Harley before that, but maybe less as a consumer or less as somebody who just frequently walked into to dealerships. Talking a little bit about how you got into the industry more broadly, is there a defining moment early in your life, early in your career, where you really knew that training and development and, and this space would be something that that really got you excited about kind of going to work in the morning? Uh, yeah, a couple things um, happened there. Uh, one, my original career out of college, I was a high school uh, shop teacher, tech ed teacher. So I had had started with the you know learning and and training, you know, as a tech ed teacher, I was teaching kids how to run machines and uh, how to weld and do things like that, right? So it was really kind of a training perspective uh, right from the start. Um, I was laid off, went back to school, got a master's degree, and uh, ended up converting into uh, working in manufacturing, which led me to Harley Davidson. Uh, but when I got to the factory, uh, I was in a in an operations role. Uh, things just kind of kept bubbling up and kind of coming my. I was like a magnet for training things that were happening, right? And people uh, were saying, hey, yeah, hey, you were a tech ed teacher. Can you help us put together this little training program on, um, on quality control or on uh, using measurement tools? We had hired some folks that didn't um, have, uh, they were uh, um, in a special uh, program that they didn't have a lot of uh, shop floor manufacturing experience. So we had to put together a little program for them to understand the equipment we use for measuring uh, stuff. And, and so those kinds of things just kind of kept bubbling up. And uh, it was um, it was that uh, kind of experience. It wasn't anyone like a bolt of lightning, but it was kind of over time. It was like this is really where my energy is. This is what I really enjoy. This is where my uh, you know excitement and fun comes from. And uh, so that just kind of you know it was a, a little bit more of a gradual shift over to that. Not you know necessarily a uh, you know any defining moment in particular. Hmm. The whole conception of, of being a, a shop teacher and going from getting people that are you know very early in their life unbelievably excited about learning and then moving that to people later in their career. I, I think that's a fascinating transition that you went on. And, and I kind of want to talk about another transition that you went on. So you decided, um, I believe in 2016, um, to launch uh, your own company. And one of the questions that I wanted to hit on is, is how did you kind of evaluate the risks and benefits of, of starting a company from scratch? Well, there was, uh, boy, I can't remember the year, but I was in a um, management training position at Harley and we were setting up some programs and, uh, for our employees, and uh, we had some instructors that would come in, you know, consultants from the outside that would come in and, and teach these programs. And some of these were uh, repetitive, you know, they had several sessions over time. And I got to, to uh, 
know a couple of these uh, consultants or trainers that were coming in and just started talking to one of them about, you know, hey, what's this, what's this, you know, what's it like doing what you're doing? How do you enjoy it? How do you find, you know, he and I just connected and, and uh, so I was kind of picking his brain about what's it like to be an independent consultant and some of the risks and, and benefits to that. And uh, so that's really, really the, where the spark came for it. And then, um, you know, I, at, uh, in 2016 is the time that I, well, actually it started maybe a little bit before that. Uh, I helped uh, provide information for, uh, or feedback about a certification program for uh, training managers. And the person, the, the company that uh, asked me to provide that feedback also asked me to be an instructor for it. And I was still employed full-time at Harley. And I thought, well, I can, I've got five weeks of vacation now because I had been there for more than 20 years. And uh, so I started using some of my vacation to teach these classes uh, on the side. And I really enjoyed it and thought, this is really a lot more fun. I remember the first uh, one that I taught after the first couple of days, I uh, was uh, communicating with my wife and I told her, this is way more fun than what I've been doing you know, lately uh, on my regular day job. I said, it's just, you know, so that was really kind of a, yeah, I think I can do this sort of thing. Um, but then, you know, I got to the point where by 2016, I was able to retire from Harley. And uh, so I did that. And I had already actually had this one client uh, set up ahead of time. And so that's really kind of, you know, the key pieces in there, you know, kind of picking the brain of that, that uh, gentleman that I uh, ended up uh, connecting with a little bit to kind of understand that. And then uh, this opportunity to provide feedback and kind of, you know, kind of dipping my toe in the water to see is this something that I really would enjoy and uh, could do successfully uh, before I had to, you know, make that decision of, you know, should I leave the motor company at this time or not uh, sort of thing. And so, and then having a safety net of, um, you know, the pension that I received from Harley also was a big uh, key as well too. I've got, um, you know, four kids, a couple of them were in college yet. And so I, I couldn't just uh, totally take the risk from a financial standpoint. So that made it uh, a little bit um, less risky for me having that uh, kind of that safety net with the, uh, the pension as well. So it was a, just the right combination, you know, things just kind of came together and I just knew it was the right thing to do at the time. So how have you changed the way you organize your day for maybe the most productive work, given that you now work more independently, whereas previously you were part of this massive global organization? How have you noticed about how you need to restructure your day? Uh, that's a great question. So that's something I'm still working on, right? I've been retired for four years now, but you're right. When you're part of a big corporate organization, you know, your, your calendar is set, right? There's meetings that start at a certain time. You're expected to be you know, in the office or in the, on the manufacturing shop floor, whatever it happens to be at certain times and uh, in leadership roles that, you know, it can be 24 seven as well. Uh, you know, I remember getting calls in the middle of the night when I was a human resources manager and have to go in and deal with something. Right. So uh, that structure disappeared when you, when I retired and I became an independent business consultant. Uh, but the, some of the things transfer in that you need to have some goals that you're shooting for. And then you need to also put some structure to it. And so the, the way that I do that, you know, again, Harley used to drive what those goals were and the structure that was in it. We had work unit planning process. It was very well defined. We had, uh, you know, employee uh, development planning we had to do as well too, you know, so it was very structured. And so that structure went away, but, uh, but taking some of that, uh, those same concepts and applying it in my own uh, consulting work is that, <clears throat> and, I, and I also uh, became certified as a Jack Canfield a trainer. And one of the things that was very helpful in that was this um, concept of, you know, establishing high level goals and then uh, doing your weekly planning, but then it 
has to boil down to what am I going to do today? What are the actions I will take today that will get me towards those high level goals that I've established? So that was uh, very helpful as well to that going through that Jack Canfield certification process because that really helps solidify that uh, that process of goal setting and then breaking it down into specific actions and behaviors that get you towards that higher level goal. And so, you know, the combination of those two things, my prior corporate experience and uh, the Jack Canfield experience that I had, uh, helped establish that. Now, I'd love to say that I'm perfect at that. And every, you know, every week I do my, my planning every week and my daily actions all the time. Uh, you know, not perfect, but uh, it really does provide some guidance. And I can tell when I'm not staying on top of it, that I'm not as productive and I'm not getting the important things done, which is the key piece of that. If you do that planning right, you understand what are the most important things you need to do and accomplish. And that's what you got to try to structure your day around. And then the other things get, you know, kind of fill in the gaps or the, the, the cracks, because if you don't control it, the little things, you know, responding to emails or, you know, other distractions that you might have will take up your day. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, I didn't get the most important things done yet today. And so that's the, the key piece of the planning piece should focus on what's most important so I get that done today, but towards that longer goal that I've got in mind. Mm, I, I love the goal setting perspective. And, and all of this has really resonated with me, especially the transition from teacher to corporate trainer to now a more independently focused um, you know, business owner. Um, unfortunately, I have to move to our final two questions. Okay. As you know, are, are rapid fire in nature, and we ask all of our guests this, so I'm, I'm very interested in your thoughts. So question number one is, if you could describe your leadership style in one word, what would it be? Well, uh, servant. Well, it's a phrase, servant leadership, one term, not one word. So that's really the focus I would have. And our final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Uh, that would be that uh, you, you and I, everybody, you are responsible 100% for your own condition and results in life. We tend to want to blame, hey, the weather's bad, so that's why nobody's coming in to buy motorcycles, or this happened, so I can't do what I want. And we have to look past that because when you, um, when you don't take that responsibility yourself, you're giving away your power and your ability to act on creating the future that you want. And so that's take 100% responsibility for your results. And uh, that's been uh, the most impactful uh, piece of advice I've gotten. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for leaving us with that sense of responsibility, Daniel. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Sure. Uh, I have a website. They could go to uh, Mensch Performance. That's M-E-N-S-C-H performance.com. That'll be my website. And they can also email me uh, directly if they want at uh, dan, D-A-N, at menchperformance.com. And uh, that they'd be happy to respond and uh, keep the dialogue going with anybody that would like to uh, talk further about anything. Well, thanks for all the great insight. And thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you show, share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer, and you can find our organization, Ability, that is A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E at Ability.com. Be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.